Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Last Chance You. How many of y'all have ever heard of this series that's on, not Y-O-U, but it is a you? You've, you've seen it on Netflix. How many of y'all have seen it? So like a third of you, maybe a quarter of you. Here's what the series is about. Number one, I don't recommend watching it because it's, woof, the, the coaches are pretty crazy on there. Let me just say that. It's colorful. <laughs> the language is good. But, but this is what I've found interesting about the three seasons of this show is there are these guys who were amazing athletes in high school. Everybody in the country wants them. They go to their pick of school, Division I colleges to play football. Something happens along the way. They're either not as good as the guy in front of them. They get into trouble a lot of times or something happens, and they end up at this junior college in the middle of nowhere. And it's their last chance to make it. Here's the truth. The reason I wanted to do this series is not because I want you to watch the show, but because I look at your faces. And I realize where I am in my life, and, and this is my understanding. That's how a lot of us feel. Some of us have been through hell and back. Some of us don't understand why we've been to where we've been. Life is so frustrating and confusing, we don't understand. How in the world could this, these things end up happening? Like, this is ridiculous. And I get this thought in my mind, and maybe it's just me, but I feel like that a lot of y'all are going to talk to me eventually. <laughs> you'll get it this afternoon. A lot of y'all are going to talk to me, and you'll understand what I'm saying, that, that life just stinks. Because I had this plan in place of what I thought it was going to be, and I put on a map for my life, if you're a goals person, I'm a goals person. And I threw up what it was supposed to look like because this ain't it. <laughs> I wasn't going to do this, y'all. And things happen and it doesn't make any sense. And I begin to define success for myself. And the only way that I can define success, if it is by a measure that the world wants me to define it by, is to look at you and say, am I doing as good as you? Especially if you're in my field, if you do what I do. So, so for example, if Pastor Josh, who preached last week, and I began to have a competition with each other, we would look at each other and say, well, you did good last week, but I did better. You did good last week. I didn't do as good. I better do. Come on, y'all can say it. Because you think it and I think it. We just aren't willing to admit it. And my entire life's journey is based on how good did I do. Because here's what God's purpose is. This is why we sing to God. This is not right. Let me put this on the front end. This is why we sing to God. Maybe if I sing a little harder, God will come into my situation and help me do better. Maybe God will come into the situation that I'm in that's a hell at my house, a hell at my workplace, all kinds of trouble. I hate it. Maybe God, if I give a little bit more money, will come rescue me in that situation. 
because I can show him what it should look like, and I'm going to pray as long as I need to, but I need him to come fix it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's the problem with what I'm describing is I'm giving you part of my testimony right now, part of my story. I've learned this. My belief system hasn't caused all the problems, but my belief system has kept me in a jail cell a lot of times because of the problems. And I begin to define myself based on things that happen. And then I hear songs about how great God is, and I go, hey, Jesus, I know the king is among us, but I wish you'd show up. Because I need some help. This, this sucks. My life's a mess. Now, I know the 10 of you that have never had a problem in your life. You're, you can have a pass right now. But for the rest of us, this is the question that we're asking. Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Because on one hand, if you believe in your heart that you're walking with God, you would say to yourself, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, you, you want me to do what? I mean, I'm walking with you, God. I'm doing what you asked me to do, so you shouldn't ask me to give this up. I thought you already died on the cross thing, and that's great, so I don't, I, this doesn't make sense. I need for God mm, to make sense. I'm willing to do what he says. I know I'm talking to some people in here, and if y'all want to stay quiet, you can, but anybody that understands what I'm saying, just talk to me a little bit and let me know you're here. I, I need for God to give me an understanding of what this is supposed to look like, so God, I'm willing to take a step, but I need the roadmap laid out clearly because this don't make any sense at all. You can't ask me to do crazy stuff. My mama's got to agree with the decision that I'm about to make. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And when the difficult thing comes, you know what I thought about? I did not say this earlier, but I want to say it now. One of the people in my life who for the majority of my life has been closest to me and we've been kind of estranged the last couple years told me when he had a kid, I'm cool with God and I believe in him. But now that I've got a son, if anything happens to him, I'm out. Now listen to me, I'm not throwing rocks at him. I'm saying props to him, at least he was honest about it. That's how most of us posture ourselves with God. We're cool with God until it happens to me. And then we look at God and say, I don't get any of this crap. I, I didn't sign up for this. I thought you were the God of the universe that was going to come in and rescue me in my situation. Everybody always talks about God makes all things new. I preached on it. I did a freaking 365-day we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and believe every word that I wrote. Having said that, it don't always go my way. Because the reality is, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I do, life is this. Somebody say it. Ask me what I'm going to be doing in five years, and I would tell you I think this. I mean, I've said before, I think I'm going to be preaching here. I put my flag in the ground, blah, blah, blah. That's a great plan. But this wasn't my plan Seven years ago, we started the church. Seven and a half years ago, this wasn't in the ballpark of my plans. Come on, somebody. So if I think that I know what 10 years is going to look like, <laughs> right? Now, I'm not saying we should be foolish and just run up credit cards and act crazy. That's not the point at all. The point is, when I let the situations in my life begin to define me, 
I get frustrated. Y'all lean in because this is going to be so good if you'll listen. So here's what I do in frustration. If you like to be offended, I'm going to give you a very good opportunity right now to be offended. What is this? Say it out loud. I mean, if you grew up in the Southeast, you pretty much know the B-I-B-L-E because that's the book for me. We stand alone. If I'd have stood on this, someone would have died because that's the Bible. (laughs) You can't mess up the good book. Do you know what we do with this? If you're like me, you've heard this preached in your life. We go to the word to get the answer. Watch this. False. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to try to be not offensive because there's no way to get around it. The people that I know that know the Bible the best, including your pastor throughout his years, degrees. Y'all, I had the books of the Bible memorized when I was in kindergarten. That's impressive. I don't know if y'all are impressed. I'm impressed (laughs) that in order I could do the 66 books. I knew verses of Scripture memorized. I don't know if I had to or if I just wanted to. I was the sword drill champion. Here's what a sword drill is. They give you the verse. They say, ready, go. Bam, I could find it. I was nasty. I'm talking about if they'd had all Americans, I was first team. Nasty. And this is what I've realized about my life. And I'm frustrated to admit this, y'all. I'm frustrated because it shouldn't be like this. Most of my life, what I've done is take information in like I was getting ready for a test so that I'd memorize everything in there and get to know it so that I could give it out. And so in order to be impressive, I would listen to leadership podcasts and all this stuff, but more importantly, I would start listening to this, and I would get to know cool things so that I could teach people cool things. And I'd give it out. And I made God a book. Because if I stand on this leather-bound one-year Bible right now, God is not up in heaven going, I I just fell out. I fainted because he stood on me. This ain't him. This is, this is, this is a leather bound, probably feather. That's fake leather if you don't understand. <laughs> With pages. And I love it, y'all. I read it every day. But I don't read it to get more information. This ain't a map. There are maps at the back of it. Y'all with me? And then, and then I feel like the argument would be this. Yeah, but Psalm 119 said his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. How does a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. So it is a map. It is not a map. Because when you stop at Psalm 119 and you fail to get to the truth, that is the beautiful thing that Josh preached so eloquently last week. That's the gospel. Jesus said, this is how John wrote, the very beginning of John. In the beginning was the? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by Him. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. So when I try to figure out why all this crap is happening in my life, and then I start posturing myself thinking, maybe if I just read this more, 
And then I start praying, God, I read this all day long. So, like, and religions have taken place where monks would stay in a, in, a, in a quiet place and just read the Bible and pray. And they could tell you everything about it. The Pharisees had it memorized. To pass the test of being a Pharisee, you had to be able to quote the entire chapter. Watch this. This is stupid crazy. Backwards. And then they did a test where through the scroll, they put like a nail through it. And wherever it hit, you had to pick up right there and keep quoting. I don't know it that good. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know it. We don't know it like they know it. And we have, we have put Christianity into a box of how well do you know it? And in our pride, we've decided that we can understand God as if that's the goal. And if I'm not talking to anybody else in here, I'm talking about me. This is most of my life. The more I study, the more I know about him. Did you know he never wanted you to know about him? He just wanted you to know him. And so whenever the mysterious things in my life begin to take place where when my plan and what I thought and how God put stuff in me starts taking place and I go, I'm reading all this word, but I get crazy stuff because it feels like it almost contradicts itself. It does if you don't know how to read it. If you don't understand that everything is built on the fact that Jesus has already paid the price, then, then it is crazy. You're going to kill somebody if you read the Bible. It says thou shalt not kill. Keep reading it because they're killing everybody. And so I've made this thing to be like something I'm supposed to unlock, as if my personal power is able to understand the things of God. What's so interesting about the word mystery is that Paul described the good news about Jesus, which is what the gospel really means, 28 times in his letters using this word. I want to show you a couple. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, God made known to us the, what's this word? Say it out loud. Mystery. Say it again. Mystery. The mystery of his will, meaning we don't get it. We don't understand it. If you say you understand all of God's will, <laughs> Time to go to Bull Street because you're in a crazy house, right? We, no one gets it. Nobody. But he said, God has made known his mystery according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ, in him alone, that he purposed in him as a plan. Somebody say plan. That's going to be important. That's going to be important. For the right time to bring everything together in Christ, to bring everything together in Christ, to bring it all to culmination and to show you and bring it all together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth, and everything in between and all things is in him, in him, in him. And then in chapter 3, he says, the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. He says, by reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. In other words, it did not come about because I studied for 10 hours a day, but through revelation. So the word mystery actually means not something that is impossible to know, not something that is unknowable, but it's something that can only come through revelation or God shows us and reveals it to us. So let me explain something to you. No matter how much you read this, 
If God is not speaking to you and through you, you ain't getting nothing but a history book. Yeah, but pastor, his word never returns void. I believe that. But I'm telling you right now, it's him that never returns void. It ain't a book. So whenever I try to make this thing, I'm just going to look it up. Bless God, if you'll just show me, bam, it turned to John 5. I tell you the truth. And I all of a sudden think that I'm going to find the answer by playing tic-tac Jesus. Listen, I'm, I know it's a little bit funny, but it's frustrating, isn't it? Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here that it's a little bit frustrating, that it feels like your life has not changed ever, that you've been going to church and going to church and giving your money and doing your thing, and it still feels like I'm in the same boat that I've always been in? It's because you are, and because I are too. And I know how to say it right, but that was right. Because this is something crazy until he does it in you. This is what I think about with Revelation. In Matthew, I think it's 14, but it might be 16. When Jesus takes his disciples up to Caesarea Philippi, he asks them this interesting question. That's where, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome. This is what he asked right before that. Who do people say that I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, blah, blah, blah. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. Jesus' response was, flesh and blood did not, that says rebel, but it's revealed. Flesh and blood did not reveal this, but my spirit. But my spirit. Because Jesus had yet to claim that he is the Christ. Now, you don't get to learn things that, that God hasn't already spoken. You just get to understand what he was talking about when you are in Christ Jesus. So that when the mysteries of your life begin to come, you're not trying to figure it out like a puzzle and an equation. You walk in step and in harmony with him, trusting him along the way that what your eyes see may be lying to you about what his reality is for your life. But most of us, listen to me because I got something so good if y'all will stay with me. Most of us begin to let the things that happen to us define us. They begin to define us where we say, I never thought I'd be here. And if God really had a purpose for my life like you preach, because listen to me, I don't care if you believe in God or not. You are made in his image. You are an image bearer of the king of kings. And God's never made a mistake. Did you hear what I said? Oh, we're under the curse until we trust Christ as Savior. But even in a sinful world, he ain't made a mistake in you. And he purposed something unbelievably powerful and amazing in you. But when you try to do it on your own power and you try to do it on your own understanding, you end up in a mess saying, where are you? This never should have happened. And it's frustrating. Because I know at least for me, I've looked at God so many times in my mind and said, what are we doing? I thought you called me to plant this thing. I thought you said I was going to preach in this place. I thought you did this. It don't look like what I thought it should look like. In the time frame that I thought it should happen in, somebody better say, I know what you're talking about. Because I love to put a time frame on it. I just thought of this. We actually talked about it in staff, and I thought they said such a cool picture of what it looks like to have something special in you but it don't look like what it should like to end up where you're supposed to end up. 
Anybody know who this is? What's his name? Shaquem Griffin. CJ, you know you kept quiet. I didn't hear you. Shaquem Griffin broke the 40 record in the NFL combine crazy fast. Starting today as a rookie at linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. Does anybody notice anything that should keep him from starting at middle at outside linebacker for the Seahawks today? Somebody say it. We're not being mean. We're talking about what's reality. He's got one hand. Let me tell you about someone who's pretty athletic with two hands. I ain't going to start at linebacker today in the NFL. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Right? I mean, by the way, right after he was born, seconds into it, they realized that there was this rare, weird disease. And he was born where his hand never developed. So his twin brother has two hands and is in the NFL. And in his DNA, in his giftedness, and in his God-given ability, what he put in him was the ability to start in the NFL. But everybody's told him his entire life, there ain't no way you can do that. Here's my decision every day of my life. Am I going to believe, and I promise you I'm not making fun of Shaquem Griffin, so don't you hear me wrong. This is what we say. I got dealt a bad he would look at us, and I'm not making a joke and say, you did? I got dealt one. And my gift was football. Amen. <laughs> that can't happen. This is when you look at God and say, hey, Jesus, this is awesome and all. What's wrong with you? Because I can't play with one hand. I can't tackle people. I can't intercept the ball. I can't do all the things that I'm supposed to do. Why would you put this gift on someone that doesn't look? But the Bible says Jesus is speaking to us that where we're weak, he's strong. That he wants to exalt. And I need, I need y'all to get this because this entire series, I'm going to teach y'all through this. That you don't have to believe the Bible for principles to be true. You don't have to believe the Bible or even know God exists for natural law. I'm not talking about man-made law, natural law to be real. For example, if you jump out of an airplane today and you believe God does not exist, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fall because there's this thing called gravity. You don't get to decide in your mind, gravity ain't real. I believe there's no absolute truth, so gravity ain't real. Okay, but you're going to come down. You reap what you sow. That's not biblical only. If you plant an apple, you can get an apple tree. You can get more apples. You ain't going to get a pear. And you're not going to get a walrus. You can get an apple. And there's many more, and we're going to go through some of them. But this one is so interesting because give, and it will be given unto you. Everybody's like, I thought that was money. Uh-uh. It works with money because it's a law. It's a principle. And he gave, not even knowing Jesus. He doesn't have the, he's got the DNA of being a person who's made in the image of God, but I don't know if he knows, knows Jesus or not. He might. Here's what I'm saying. The reason we don't accomplish what God put in us 
It's not because we can't. It's because we try to figure it out on our own. And if he'd have spent his entire life trying to figure out why this is and why he's not good enough, or, or is God punishing me because my parents did something? Am I, am I having these problems because I did something wrong or because they did something wrong? You will maybe figure out an answer that ain't going to be right, but you will drive yourself crazy. And many of us have in this room. And end up on disability. By the way, he should be on disability and he's making millions of dollars. Because he said, this don't define me. What's in me is defining me. And I will accomplish everything that God put in me. And I haven't talked to him, so he didn't tell me that. I'm telling you, he had to have that idea. So how do we do it? I believe that in order to do this, we have to change our mindset about what a mystery is, what God's plan is. Because God's plan is probably not going to look like what you think it should. Did you hear what I just said? God's plan is probably going to go different. It's probably somewhere along the way this week going to have a little bit of a turn, a little bit of a jog in the road, a little bit of something in there that I just didn't think was going to be in there. And if I'm not cool with that and i got to figure him out like an equation, I'm going to be frustrated and stuck, and I'm going to look and go, I don't understand, but I don't like this, so I'm out. But in the weirdest place, I'm going to show you the answer. Because at the end of John, in chapter 19, we get this descriptive picture of Jesus on the cross. Jesus has lived a sinless life for 33 years. He's the only son of God that was born of God that has ever lived on this planet. No one has ever been sinless except for him. And then for three years he did ministry, and then at the end, they try him illegally, and they put him on a cross to pay the price for our sins, but they just thought they were killing somebody. And then, and then in all four Gospels, we get a picture of what that day was like and how Jesus died. And then in John chapter 19, it tells us some of the sayings of Jesus, what he said while he was on the cross. And then you get this picture in chapter 19, verse 28. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now, what's this word? It's important. Finished. Everything was finished. That, so that scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty, and a jar full of sour wine was sitting there, and they fixed the sponge full of sour wine and put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And then, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, everybody out loud, say this. It is finished. It is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. What in the world does that have to do with this? Because that ain't got nothing to do with me not understanding the plan. Jesus died. I went to the Passion Play when I was a kid. If y'all didn't grow up in church, just stay with me. I'll explain. Because I was in it every year. And in the culminating scene, it was big time, y'all. We had the Roman soldiers, I was that a little bit, had beat Jesus. We had marched him up onto Calvary, raised up the cross, put it in. It was this huge, amazing thing that we put on. And then at the very end, big orchestra going on, huge thing. Jesus cried out, it is finished. And then the drums would play, and it was a fake earthquake. And that just means Jesus died. I mean, literally my whole life I just thought, so right then he was just telling everybody, I'm going to die. Until I learned something that changed me. See, I didn't learn this and it hit here. I learned this and it sat here. And I've let it sit here for a while because I've reevaluated every decision that I make, every way that I walk. 
everything that I do. Because it's this word that he proclaimed. It means this. It means it's been paid in full. But I never knew this about it. In Roman times, which by the way, on the cross there were Roman soldiers who were beating Jesus, who had put him up there, and who were killing him at that moment. Roman soldiers heard him say this, and they didn't think what I thought the passion play. They thought exactly what I'm about to tell you. Because in the Roman army, only one person, only one person knew the full plan of what was about to take place in the war that we were going to. Only one person, and it was the commander. Only one, y'all remember these words? Only one person knew the plan. And guess what the plan was called? It was, what's the whole message been about? Uh, mystery was what the plan was called. Only one person knew the plan because to everybody else it was called the mystery. And they would go in and they would get a little bit of the piece of the mystery to go accomplish what they were supposed to do as a general or as someone under the commander. It was this mystery. It was this mystery. I don't know. He, he's not revealed the whole thing yet. And the only way the commander of the army would reveal the whole plan is when he knew that they could not be defeated. Listen to me. They could not be defeated. And instead of having a quiet meeting at this point, he would go outside. They would swing the doors open. The army would be in front of him, and they would shout one word. And I'm going to let y'all guess it with your best guess. What was the word? To tell a style. I bet they didn't do it like this, to tell a style. Those doors would swing open. I bet they said, Tetelestai! It is finished. And that doesn't mean that my life is finished. That doesn't mean that, that my hope is finished. That means that any possibility for the enemy to defeat me has just been defeated right now. Do you know when this plan started? This is crazy. This plan started and was held in a vault named the Lord Jesus. Revelation 11:6 6 says, before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. Before the foundations of the world. Before God said, let there be light, this mystery had begun. Before I was a thought in my parents' mind, God knew me and the hairs on my head and knew what it is finished had to accomplish in me. He knew all the plans that were for me. But the Bible never says, and Jesus never said, and the word culminating together never gives me the description that I get to know the plans. I just get to know the planner. Here's what happened on the cross. is Jesus died to pay the price for every one of my sins and every one of your sins, past, present, and future, but he also defeated the enemy. So the enemy doesn't get to defeat me today. I let him. Because I see what's taking place in my life and I say, I can't do this. Here's why you can't do it. You think you're trying, you think you're supposed to do it on your own. So we pick this up and we say, I got to read it a little more. I got to do it a little better. Instead of, I want to get to know the word. I want to get to know the man, God, who said and proclaimed as the commander of heaven's army. He is that. The Bible says it over and over that he is the commander of heaven's army. And the commander of heaven's army declared, it is finished to Telestai. Which means every single good plan that God has for you has already been paid for and bought. 
every sin that you committed that we bring up to God and say, God, I'm a worthless human being. I can never accomplish what you wanted. He looks at you and says, why do you keep bringing it up? I've chosen not to remember that. I can't tell you how many times in my life I put myself in the hell of my own creation because I remind God of what he already paid for. And I don't receive forgiveness. That's two totally different things. That I don't confess my faults and sins to my brothers and sisters because I want to hide what to tell us I already paid for. That I create this thing in my life that is a falsehood that is not real called a gospel, but it's about a book and not about a God. And what I think is finished is God's opportunity to come to me and finish my plan and not God finish the plan and ask me to walk it out. And the way that he paid for it is four verses later says, but one of the soldiers pierced the side with a spear and blood and water flowed. And that sign was such a beautiful sign of everything good was bought and paid for and purchased by the blood of Christ. My sin wasn't forgiven because I try hard. My purpose in my life's not given because I study more. My life doesn't make sense because all of a sudden I get smarter and y'all think he's got a good word today. My life begins to make sense when I say, for me to live is Christ but to die is gain. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the all things become new. I'm going to walk it out no matter what it looks like. I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what difficulty comes. I'm just going to walk in Christ. And watch this, not to impress you, not to try to learn more information, but simply to take the next steps because I walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, somebody. But I want to end with a story because I feel like maybe it'll help you understand. Because this whole faith in God thing can be so weird. And most of us in this room would love to figure him out. And so we've tried. And something happened with my family a few weeks back, it was close to a month ago, that I feel like is such a perfect picture of what God wants for you. So we got season passes this year and um, to Dollywood. <laughs> So we decided to go in the summer to God be the glory. It was hot. And um, I've not been to Dollywood in a while, and I was very surprised. They got some great roller coasters. And I'm a roller coaster guy. I like roller coasters. So here was my thought. I got a six-year-old boy, and I know that he's got autism, but autism don't have nothing to do, don't judge me, with roller coasters. So I want my kids to experience everything. And I, and I found out that he did not ride very many roller coasters the couple weeks before that my in-laws had taken him. And they were the, the wiser of the group because they did not strongly encourage him to do it. We got there, and the biggest, scariest roller coaster there is the eagle. I don't remember what it's called. The wild eagle, the lone eagle, the crazy eagle. Wild eagle. It's crazy, y'all. You sit down, it looks like a cockpit, and you do six loops or four loops or something like that. I can't remember. And it's But it's 65 miles an hour. And it rocket. It's, it's awesome. And I was thinking about me, not six-year-old Hasten. 
But I wanted him to experience the goodness of that roller coaster, and I knew it wouldn't hurt him. So this is what I said to him. He looked at that thing and said, I'm not riding on that. It does loop-de-loops. <laughs> so I just got down with him, eye level, and said, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to talk yourself into believing you're going to love it because you're never going to believe it until you experience it. I just want you to trust me. Is daddy going to let something happen to you if he can help it? Never. I said, just ride with me. Just, just ride with me. Come on. <sighs> okay, I'll ride with you on one condition. Listen to what my son, the theologian, said. <laughs> I'm serious. It's crazy. I'll ride with you, but you got to sit right beside me. So my son, y'all, terrified. I'm talking about, the story would go better if I could say, I got him in there and he was smiling the whole time. He loved every minute of it. He was scared to death. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about tears, scared to death. I can't believe I'm doing this. He never looked one time on the first time we rode on it. Never looked. He was doing like this. And, and he would, I had my arm around him like this. And I had claw marks in my arm. The thing comes to a stop, and I'm like, we ain't ever do it. I was about to look back at Leah and Laney in the car behind me and say, yeah, that ain't ever happening again because my arm's killing me. Eyes this big, he looks at me and goes, that was the coolest thing I've ever done in my whole life, Daddy. I want to do it again. We rode that freaking thing six times. I'm not making that up. We rode every single ride in the park. We had to put that joker on a box to get him on some of the rides. I'm kidding. He was tall enough. Here's the point. The point is if his eyes and his beliefs would have decided what he did, he would have ridden only a kiddie ride. But that little kid looked at his daddy and said, I don't understand, but I trust you. So as long as you're beside me, let's go. And he did it. And he did it. And he did it. And now, I'm not kidding. One of the things that he wants to do with his little tablet that we have him is watch roller coasters on YouTube. <laughs> and he'll come out to me and go, Daddy, look how awesome this one is. It's got 10 loop-de-loops. <laughs> I want to go to this place with you. Most of you have stayed stuck in your life because you believed it fell on you. And all that the God of the universe, our heavenly father is asking you to do is trust the son that he sent for you. Because if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. But you can read as much as you want. You can study as much as you want. You can pray as much as you want and still be as stuck as you were yesterday. But once you begin to stuck, or once you begin to trust and step, trust and walk, trust and step that this has already been accomplished and it created this, that I can stand on one thing and one thing alone. It is finished, has already happened. And it continues to pave the road for me today. And though I may not know where we're going, I will continue to trust. And though I don't even try to figure it out anymore, y'all. I tell people this all the time that knows me well. I don't know, but we're just going to do it. And if we're going to do it big... We're going to do it big then. Why? Because I trust God. And I don't need the answer. 
and I'm tired of living in a jail cell called my own understanding. And I believe that when Jesus said to Telestai, he was declaring to his army, you can stand, you can shout, you can trust because it is paid for, it is bought, and it is completely and totally done. You may not understand it all, but you were never built to understand it all. You were built to have a love relationship with our Heavenly Father through the person of Jesus Christ. It is as simple as that. It is frustratingly simple. Stop trying to figure him out and start trusting him in Christ Jesus. Some of you walked in here on your way to hell if you died right this second. But you get to walk out on your way to heaven, not by touching your nose a certain way and putting your hand up and doing hokey pokey. It's not a magic prayer. It's by declaring this, you are God and I am not. You are my Lord, you are my savior. You died to save my soul and today I put my trust in you. Period, end of story. Because Tetelestai already made it so. I just need to know if anybody in this room is bold enough to do what my crazy kid did where he looked and said, I don't understand, but I'll have boldness, not because it's my own, but because you're giving it to me in Christ Jesus. So I will declare that for the first time, or I'm coming back to God, I declare that he's my Lord. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? I believe that there's people in this room that you need to make that declaration right now. And I'm asking you to do something that might seem crazy to you. I don't need you to go anywhere. But I want you to stand to your feet and declare right this moment, I'm tired of being hopeless and lost. It is not about what I do, it's about what he already did. He purchased my salvation on the cross. And today I stand and declare to Telestai, it is finished. I trust Christ and him alone. If that's you, you just stand to your feet. I believe there's people in this room that honestly need to trust Jesus as Lord. If that's you in this room, just stand up. Don't let anything keep you back. You be bold enough to be the first one to say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Come on, who is it? I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready to be the first person to declare that I'm the one. I've been wandering my whole life. I don't care if you've been in every baptismal pool in the upstate of South Carolina. That's not impressive. We're not trying to impress. We want life in Jesus' name. I want to know, is there anybody in this room that stands up and says, I'm ready to follow Christ. I'm tired of living this lie. I'm tired of going in motions of circles and circles and circles, and I'm ready to walk in step with my heavenly Father. I will follow Christ. Praise the Lord. I need to know of the Christians in this room, of the Christians in this room, Who's ready to stand to your feet and say, I'm already saved, but my life does not reveal my salvation a lot of times because I've tried to figure God out. And even though it's not gonna go the way that I plan sometimes, I don't care. I will trust him. I will trust his plan. I will trust what it looks like and I will trust him. Come on, just stand to your feet all over the room. I believe it's a lot of us. Just stand to your feet if that's you. If you need to be prayed over right now, because I know some of you have gone through such hellacious things in your life that you don't know where to turn, our prayer team's going to come down here right now, and they would love to pray over you. But listen to me. Don't expect them to have the answer. Expect them to have a shoulder. Expect them to love you and pray with you, because I do not have an answer of why you went through what you went through, but I know the one that has it. And we want to walk in step with you like I did with my boy so that you can know the power of the Lord in your life, so that you can know intimately God's plan for your life, that it may not be, it will never be fully revealed all at once. But step by step, every single day, God will show you 
the next thing that he's called you to do. So Jesus, I just thank you that you don't look at me and say, Mark, you've screwed it up again. This is your last chance because you are not a God of chance. You are a God of choice. You chose us before the foundations of the world. You chose to let Jesus be sacrificed in my place for my sins so that I could have life. And I thank you that even though I don't understand life a lot of times, I know you. And I love you. And I thank you that today I'm different than I was yesterday and will continue to be changed every single day because your love never changes. Your mercies never come to an end. Great is your faithfulness. So in Jesus' name, we lift our hands, we lift our voices, and we come to this altar that is a place where we meet God, not a piece of wood in a church, to worship you, our King and our Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing.